Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Steph Curry to my Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? I figured I would be a Kevin in this scenario, but you are much taller than me. Yeah, I was going to say, if, if, if one of us is the Slim Reaper and one of us is just shooting threes from too far, it's it, that's the... the uh... I can't argue with that. <laughs> and our very own, Draymond Green. That's yep. right, kicking him in the nuts. Yes. It's it's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? I'm great, but I... I knew I was going to be Draymond, but I thought you might have gone really way crazy and called me Kevin Love, even though he's on the Cavaliers. Yeah, I, the thing is, um, Brett has to be Clay Thompson because 420 blaze it. Uh, anyway. Oh, see, I figured you are going to say that Eric was the uh, random stiff white guy that we had for the fifth person. Oh, yeah, oh he could have gone Chris Gatling. <laughs> gone, gone into the Wayback Machine. So we're back again with another episode, off-season episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast, which means we uh, have very fun things to talk about. The, the off-season is really cooking. You ready, dancing, folks. You guys ready for the, the top stories from Seahawks uh, training camp, or OTAs this week? Let's do it. All right. Am I? Um, all, all the rookies signed, which they, I like how they dramatize this. This is one of my favorite things. Yeah, because the uh, cap didn't totally take care of this for us. Right. It's like it's like these are these contracts are basically set in stone from the, from the time the guys drafted. Yep. So what's unless the you're like a top point? ten pick, there's no drama to be had. There's a little bit of negotiation in the first round over signing bonus quantity. Right. But it's like within a very slim margin. And Joey Bosa is like the only person who's really pressed the issue on this. Which good for him. Times. Which good for him because rookie year he was like already, what, what, top 10 defensive end in the NFL. Right. Yeah, so I guess he, he was right. He betting on himself. Um, Earl, Earl Thomas didn't show up for uh, some of these team activities. He's uh, holding, not really holding out yet. He is uh, a no-show for OTAs, which means almost nothing. He's negotiating his contract. Uh, this Aaron Donald's doing the same thing in, in uh, Los Angeles. Guys all over the league are doing this. This yep. is not like an uncommon thing. You just don't show up to this, and then usually what happens is you either renegotiate your contract or they give you the money for OTAs anyway. <laughs> Is usually what ends up happening. So even if he doesn't sign an extension or nothing happens, he's going to get this money no matter what. Yep. He'll get paid for doing nothing, which is pretty cool. That's kind of living the dream, right? Yep. Sure. Uh, that's, uh, that's... Seahawks sign uh, kick returner wide receiver Keenan Allen. Right. Or Keenan uh, Reynolds. Reynolds. Sorry. I, I don't think he'll make the <laughs> roster. That's like a, they wanted someone to compete directly with Cyril Grayson signing. Basically. They're so, like, here, Cyril, you have to beat this guy out to make the roster. And Cyril Grayson's like, fine. I guess. Oh, I do think uh, it's interesting that it's a story because outside of Seattle, I don't think it would have been. But uh, Shaquille Griffin is getting the nod for left cornerback, which means that, uh, as we'll discuss later on, it looks like it's going to be uh, Shaquille Griffin as our primary corner, taking that Sherman spot, and then uh, Maxwell is going to be on the other side. Yeah, which makes sense. That's just that's what basically what we expected, right? Uh, Dwayne, did Dwayne Brown show up to OTAs or not? I've heard conflicting things. Uh, uh, I haven't seen any th- footage of him there, but I haven't heard anything saying yeah, he's so out. So the Dwayne Brown thing is the most interesting Seahawks story to me just because it is a re- legitimate question of how much do we want to give Dwayne Brown considering he's a mildly old uh, left tackle. And the guy guy's probably got, what, three good years left in the NFL? Yeah, you figure. If he doesn't wear out. Right. So how much guaranteed money do you really want to throw at Dwayne Brown? Um, that's, that's, the, that's a legitimate question to me. I know Mike Holmgren caught some crap for you know letting Walter Jones take a lot of the preseason off, but a lot of teams do this to their aging left tackles. It's a very important position, as we all know. If you have a prized possession like that, don't wear them out. 
Yeah, yeah. just let him do let him do some lift lift weights at home. I mean, I, I remember those videos coming out of Walt, just like dragging it, dragging his Escalade <laughs> around with a rope attached yeah. to it. It's like pushing, <laughs> pushing his car up yeah, the hill. It's, it's like, all right, I mean, that's what he needs to do to stay in shape. That's what he needs to do to stay in shape. Is he, he never came in and looked bad. So. Yeah, let's say you show up in September ready to play and everything else is fine. Yeah. So, um, yep, that's basically all I got there, except for um, one other uh, s- small thing that I c- now I can't remember it. I should have wrote it down and said I was just relying on my brain to help me remember. Oh, there's good Seahawks content being produced in the offseason. Uh, Sam's Film Room did a good video this week on how Will Disley could help the Seahawks run game. I definitely think it's worth a watch to anyone who likes the Seahawks fans. You can find his work on YouTube, uh, Sam's Film Room. Uh, the Seahawks draft blog is in full swing. Uh, that's Samuel Gold, by the way. Yeah, they had a nice wondering. bit about Puna Ford that was well worth a read. Yep, Puna Ford. They did a Puna Ford article, and today they did a um, article on the left tackle that we drafted, uh, Jamarco Jones. So those are those were both uh, really an interesting articles. I like the Jamarco Jones article because it kind of confirmed what I already thought, which is that this guy knows how to play tackle, but really bombed the combine to the point where it's not certain he can be an NFL player anymore. Yep. Uh, so that I'm glad it, it kind of confirmed what I had had thought, which is Jamarco seems to have good technique. He seems like he could be a good football player. He definitely puts a floor on how bad our offensive line could be next year, right? Because he's going to go out there and he's going to know where to stand and like you can go out there and be a functioning tackle. Get his get. He's going to get in the way. He's just uh, not Limited very athletic. Not very athletic, and I think the combine showed that either that or he was injured or out of shape or something. I don't really know. All right, so NFL news. Um, my favorite NFL story, Tony Romo. Tony Romo's going to call the next Super Bowl. Uh, I, I'm going to wow. use this to segue into a different conversation. Is there a, play, a person currently not announcing in the NFL that you would like to see get the top announcing gig from Troy Aikman? Because we all know Troy Aikman sucks. So who is your like dream, like, oh, I want that guy to be the announcer? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is a great choice. I think Peyton Manning was towards the top of everyone's list. I think that's a fantastic choice. Uh, I like. Okay, Eric. Oh, that's what I'm trying to think. I'm 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 going old person. Like who's who's old and really good. Here's my thing about old guys though. Is the old guys don't the thing, reason Romo's been so successful is he really knows about the other guys in the league because he just played against them. Um, you know who I'd like opposite Romo that I think would be a perfect fit because he ooh. doesn't actually do announcing ooh, going anymore. Play by play, I like this. Mike Tarico. All right, Tarico. So undervalued, not annoying, new one to shut up. Was very informative, a soothing voice. Give me more Mike Tirico. All right, excellent. You ready? You ready for my thing? This is a little conspiracy thing. I have heard that Jay Cutler in his screen test and stuff was (laughs) outstanding. And you know what? I don't. I find that to be so unbelievable that I can't wait to see it. I believe it. If Jay Cutler was outstanding in his screen tests, uh, then I'm I'm in. I'm so in. You have no idea. You know the problem? They won't let you smoke in the booth. Yeah, they they smoke (laughs) cigarettes. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my uh, my top NFL story. Uh, In my heart, I hope he sounds like Selma from The Simpsons. Johnny Manziel signed with the Hamilton t- Tiger Cats. How you feel about yeah, that? Yeah, that's a thing that happened. Trent Richardson got uh, suspended by the Toronto Argonauts. I I see your CFL news, tr- and tr- I raise you something. Just Trent as dumb. Richardson two point well, I, I think he's 1.2, but yes. Same dude. <laughs> uh, Christian Hackenberg got traded for a conditional seventh round pick to the Raiders because Gruden totally knows what he's doing. Well, to be fair, I think anyone in this room got traded for a conditional seventh round pick. That's not high praise. Well, if the condition that he is that he doesn't suck, I guess they're not getting a seventh round pick. 
Um, uh, the Eagles are releasing Michael Kendricks. He's likely to get signed pretty fast, so that's a talented player that's not going to be going to the Seahawks, but somewhere. The, the Panthers uh, The Panthers got sold? The Panthers got sold for 2.2 or 2.3 billion dollars. And uh, Paul Warlow, linebacker for the Eagles, out for the season. Yep. Another thing that I really another thing that I really like is um the the Reddit did a thread this week is consolidating all information about Andrew Luck because he's been hurt for basically like three years. You don't really think about it, but he hasn't really played much in the last three years. So they went and just compiled like every story they could find, everything that's related to Andrew Luck, every tidbit, trying to just figure out what's going on. Uh, My favorite thing was the last post was just like uh, it's, it's like Andrew Luck carrying around kindergartners at like some kind of kindergarten camp, and they're like, "That's his throwing shoulder. He must be okay." <laughs> Just so good. I like that. Oh, so that's a that's a checkout if you're uh, into that kind of thing. Can I give you my favorite thread for the week? Yeah. Uh, so when asked about Ricky hazing, Gerald McCoy said that the only hazing movie has for Vita Vea is that he's going to have him introduce himself to uh, McCoy's kids as Maui from Moana. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> This is Maui from Moana. The kids are going to be so excited. They are. And it's going to be pretty believable. Like, Wait, Maui sounds like The Rock, though. Okay. Uh, Have you heard Vita Vea? It's kind of believable. All right. So uh, that's basically They're cousins. Because every that. single one person I've ever met is cousins with The Rock. Like ever cause they're cousins to everyone. Yes, it's because Samoa is not a big island, and then also in Samoan cult in Samoan culture, you can become like legal cousins through a, like a blood brother ceremony. Yep. Then you're actually cousins. It's not in the eyes of the law. It's not like a. I'm going. That's pretty cool. I think yes. actually, it's cultural as a cultural thing. Like I really think that's awesome. Samoan culture is awesome. Okay, uh, so. Uh, let's go to our de- uh, the this week. Last week we covered our favorite positional battles on offense. Kind of broke down who's on the roster in a couple key offensive spots. We left out offensive line because we know you hear about it every single week, and so, you will hear about it a lot in the off season. This week we're gonna hit the defense, uh, and uh, I'm gonna start us off. I'm gonna start us off with a position that I think the team is likely to keep four players at, maybe five, depending on um, the health of one Cam Cameron Chancellor. Uh, so we're gonna go. I'm gonna start us off with safeties, guys. We have under contract Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. We signed Mo Alexander, Akeem King, Brad McDougald is back to ride again. Tedrick Thompson and Delano Hill were third and fourth round draft picks from last year. Uh, Trey Flowers is likely to make the team as a cornerback, so I'm gonna leave him out. I would also. Uh, that, yeah. mm-hmm. TJ Mutcherson, who is a guy that we brought in on a UDFA contract from University of Southern Florida, he played with the Griffin Bros. And Dante Johnson, who we picked off the scrap heap from San Francisco. So, first of all, um, what are the who are the deadlocks here? Well, Earl, Cam, and Brad, I think, are the are absolute deadlocks. There's no way they're not making the roster. Do you guys agree with that? Yes. Yes. All right. What do you got? How, what have you guys heard? What's the word on the street for Cam Chancellor's health? Have you guys heard anything positive, negative, otherwise? As far as I know, he hasn't been cleared for OTAs or anything. Yeah, there's no news on Cam. And the old adage is no news is good news. I feel like it's the opposite when talking about Seahawks injuries or even football injuries. I've said it since the beginning. I don't think Cam's playing. I think he got his bonus. I think he wants to try and play. But that was a serious injury. I mean, not like a serious knee injury. It's a neck injury. It's bad. I don't think Cam's coming back. Chancellor said... He said, I intend to play if I get medically cleared. <laughs> it's like the first sentence sounds so good. I intend to play. And then the second sentence is if I get medically cleared. I um, I don't suspect he will play a single snap this season. 
to be honest with you, I'm I'm at that point with Cam. I'm actually going to count him as a lock to make the roster and get put on IR and not count towards our total of safeties. Yeah, I think yes. best case scenario for him is starting the year on the pup list. Yeah. So so let's just pretend like Cam. We're we're gonna, we're going to do that, okay? Cam, he's on he's on the pup list. He's out for the first six games. He's not taking up a roster spot. So we're keeping four or five of these other guys. I think four is very likely uh, in that scenario. Earl and Brad are in, okay? And starting safeties. Those are our starting safeties. Okay. Now we've or got their job to lose. Let's say now we've got some backups and some 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 competition here. Okay. Um, I feel like the, the the team has obviously invested something in Delano Hill and Tedrick Thompson. If they are, I'm not sure how committed they are to this. I think Tedrick Thompson's pretty good, and I think Delano Hill has a lot of athletic potential. So I'd be surprised if we just moved on from either one of those guys. They're also good scheme fits for our defense. Yeah. So. So that would put us at four, which means that all of the other guys, Mo Alexander, Akeem King, TJ Mutcherson, Dante Johnson, we brought all of these guys in and they're all not going to make it. I think one makes it. I think we're going to have five safeties. Um, at the end of last year, so, you know, um, in, what is that, December of 2017, yeah. this team had five safeties. So I suspect that we'll be in the same situation this year. Um, so of Mo Alexander, Akeem King, TJ Mutcherson, and Dante Johnson, who's your favorite to make the think the squad, Eric? I like Mo Alexander. Uh, Dante Johnson, that's the guy we got from San Francisco, yes? Correct. Yep. Uh, I think he's – I don't know. I see him more as a cornerback. I have him on my competition list. Um, if, if you're asking the one guy, Mo Alexander. Yeah. Alexander has the NFL experience, right? He's yep. been around for four years, played for the Rams. Uh, Mo Alexander, he's also injured right now. He's – he or he's like coming back. Like he, they're not sure how healthy he really is. So I worry about that. Um, Kevin, uh, I don't know. I think Akeem King rode the practice squad last year for us. He's six three, about two twelve. So if we're looking for backup at that strong safety spot, he'd make a lot of sense size wise. So I could see it being King and Hill kind of backing up uh, Brad McDougald there, and then Tedrick Thompson is much more of a uh, free safety or like nickel safety. Uh, I'm, I'm on, I'm on team Mutcherson bros. I'm just going to let you guys know. I don't know much about him. There's not much to know about. You him. don't know much about him other than what you've, what you can see in the, uh, the, the check Quim Griffin highlight videos. You know, he's in some of those plays. Uh, I just like the idea of the fact that these Griffin brothers said, bring this guy in. He's good. And maybe he is good. He's undersized five foot 11, 175. That's going to be the knock. But I think he's got a good shot to make the team. They're going to let him compete for the job. Um, like exactly Eric's- what you said is why I think he's probably a really strong candidate for the practice squad and getting kind of that year under his belt working out yeah. and building up. Because you could that's a guy you could slip onto your practice squad sure. without worrying about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mo, Alexander's, Mo Alexander's got to be a favorite in terms of just like having proven it already day to day. He He's a guy that you know can carry the load in the NFL roster and be decent yeah he's not going to embarrass himself out there yeah. much so um honestly i'm really comfortable with earl thomas and brad mcdougall as starters though the rest of these guys i'm just hoping that if they either they play good if they have to play but i'm hoping none of them really have to hit the field very much i'd love to see one of the kids step up uh personally i would really like it if uh delano hill played so well that he pushed for some playing time against brad mcdougall but i 100 percent agree with you the safety combination of earl thomas and brad mcdougall is a um, good to great safety combination. Yeah, Delano Hill is the guy that I have circled to really keep my eye on in the preseason. I like him a lot. I like his frame. I like how he looks. Gentlemen, That's are we going to assign Earl Thomas to an extension? Uh, yeah, probably. If 
If our plan is to keep him around long term, I mean, I don't see why we wouldn't. If we haven't traded him. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of those, like, move money around, make a pseudo-extension. I mean, we really, we really want to roll cap into next year. You can tell by the way we've structured our roster that we want to roll like $7 million extra million into next year. And a lot of that is probably so we can give Earl a nice signing bonus uh, that, that hits our cap pretty hard next year. I would, yeah. So that's what, that's my thought on it. Um, it's funny that you guys both brought up Hill as the youngster you have circled. I'm, as you guys know, I love Colorado's secondary. So I'm, I'm all team Tedrick Thompson, but he's a ball hawk. He takes great angles. He deflects a lot of passes. Uh, I really like Tedrick Thompson. I, he might be too samey with Earl. Like he's that's my problem is I don't see him seeing the field at the same time as Earl. Yeah, it's not it's not a great like scheme match. He's not going to play close to the line like Delano Hill or Brad McDougald has the ability to play anywhere on the field, which is pretty impressive, all things considered. But I could see a nickel safety situation with Tedrick Thompson. Oh yeah, where you know you can bring him in. He's kind of a hybrid corner safety. Right, just plays plays like a medium zone. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. So that's that's our review of our safety situation. If you have thoughts on our safeties, hit us up on the old tweet tweet zone. Uh, Kevin, I heard you wanted to talk defensive line. Is that true? Yeah, we're gonna talk about defensive line, my friend. All right, let's do it. So, do you want me to read off the names before you start? No, I got this. Okay, good. So we're gonna talk about defensive line, and originally we were going, well, you know, we should really be talking about tackle because that's where a lot of the focus is gonna be. But with the scheme that the Seahawks like to run, it's hard to talk about just tackle without talking about end. So let's run through the bodies at defensive end first. So we have Frank Clark, Brandon Jackson. Uh, Deion Jordan and Marcus Smith are like pure defensive ends. Then we have Rasheem Green and Quentin Jefferson are kind of hybrid three tech defensive tackles and slash defensive ends. Then defensive tackle, we have uh, Nas Jones and Jaron Reed. We have Malik McDowell, who I don't think any of us are counting on being there. Shamar Moore and or Shamar Stevenson and Tom Johnson, who came over from Minnesota. And Puna Ford, who is a really promising UDFA, and Eddie Wilson, who we picked up as a UDFA out of Purdue. Yep. So those are the physical bodies that we're looking at. Eddie Wilson's combine highlights are fun to watch because he's really big. He's a huge <laughs> dude, and he actually is really athletic for yeah, his size I went, too. I went and watched his uh, combine highlights because I was like, this guy's big. I was like, this guy's pretty. This guy moves pretty good for a a giant. Um, but yeah, he's. He drew a ton of penalties. Um, he's really and he was really inconsistent. He's just very raw. Like so. there was a lot of questions about whether or not he'd come out, and uh, there's a decent conspiracy going that he came out because they didn't know if he was going to remain like academically eligible. Yeah, I would I would guess that he's going to be on our practice squad. There's like a true hundred percent chance he's a practice squad guy. So we have thirteen guys fighting for these spots. How many spots do you think they'll end up being? Ten. Okay, I, I had nine or ten, yeah. Ten, ten, and it really depends. You know, if we do something stupid like keep two punters, it could end up being nine. But but ten seems very likely because that's how many we've had. Like, if you look back historically, it's almost always ten. Yeah, and we like running a really big defensive line rotation. Yep. And that's going to be a strength of the team this year. Uh, Nate, do you want to talk a little bit about Brandon Jackson? Just because I know that you really like him as a DN. Um... Sure, Brandon Jackson's six foot three, two six. I just like the body. I think that he has a really good NFL body. Uh, I think that I I don't know. There's just something about like watching him play. I just think he could be surprisingly decent. Um, he was he played really good in the preseason. So maybe he's maybe he's just not actually ever gonna be good. He's just gonna be one of those guys, you know, that like shows up in the preseason but can't actually do it in a game. 
um, I would not be surprised if that is where he's at. Um, just a fringe NFL player that can really do it in a preseason game. But he's I mean, solid depth at that point because he basically be our fifth defensive end. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I suspect he'll be on the the roster bubble. Uh, you know, he'll be right there. Um, it'll be him or Marcus Smith. You know, one of those guys is not going to make it. And yeah, yeah, Mark. I think Marcus has the uh, Marcus has the first round pedigree, which gives him a little bit of advantage. But Marcus is a little smaller. He's more uh, like a outside linebacker size. He's like 255, 260. Yeah, Brandon Jackson's up in the 270s. So, yeah, yep. that's where I'm at. I'll so, go. I think we can all agree Frank Clark's a lock. Deion Jordan's a lock. And Rasheem Green's a and lock. And Rasheem Green's a lock as the defensive end, defensive tackle hybrid. And then, and then probably one of Jefferson, Jeff, Jefferson, Smith, or Jackson, one or two of those players will make it. Yep. And... Honestly, Rasheem Green makes Quentin Jefferson a little more expendable because do you really need two hybrid defensive end three tech guys? The thing is, we have made a real effort to keep Quentin Jefferson around. Yes. Uh, like, we claimed him off the Ra- the Rams practice squad. Like, we are making a real effort to – we made an effort to get him back from the Rams. So, I don't know. Something about uh, me – something about Quentin Je- – makes me think Quint- we want re- really want Quentin Jefferson. Yeah, there's something that the team likes. Um, which – Maybe that's what it is, is the flexibility to play him at DT gets him on the roster over Brandon Jackson, and then we end up with uh, Clark, Jefferson, Green, Jordan, and Smith as our kind of like five DEs. Which is a solid rotation there, because then you have a couple of bigger guys that can kind of hold down against the run especially. Frank Clark is really uh, kind of is really versatile in that way, and Deion Jordan is just a pin years back and pass rush guy. So here's the thing. If we take Brandon Jackson as, as like a true bu- – Brandon Jackson versus Marcus Smith as a bubble battle, right – Mm-hmm. And then Malik McDowell is not going to be around, and Eddie Wilson is probably out. That pretty much settles that that position, right? Like we have the five DTs; these are the guys that are going to make it. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be probably uh, Stephen Johnson, Jones, Reed, and Puna Ford. Okay, so Puna Ford, he's like we're already saying Puna Ford is basically in. Who is Puna Ford, Kevin? Can, tell the people. So Puna Ford <laughs> is a undersized, or sorry, Puna Ford is an under height. Defensive tackle out of Texas. He is 309 pounds. He is not undersized. He is short. He also has a wingspan rivaling most larger left tackles in the NFL, uh, both by arm length and hand size. Like, this guy is like Jonathan Ogden arms on Russell Wilson height, (laughs) which is a really interesting combination because usually when people talk about the disadvantage you have as a shorter defensive tackle on the inside, it's that a offensive lineman can get their hands on you and can extend. And you look at kind of like the little brother, big brother fight, right? Where the older brother puts his hand on the kid's forehead. And no matter how many times he pinwheels, he just can't get into his body. Well, in this case, a lot of defensive or a lot of offensive guards have like 33 inch arms. That's really common, which is why they won't get moved outside to tackle. So you're looking at Puna Ford is 5'11", which makes him really hard to get up underneath. But he has 35-inch arms, which gives him more reach than your average offensive guard. So this is a guy who has a lot of advantage in the leverage game, which makes him a really effective kind of nose tackle almost, where he can just shut down the run game. It's really, really hard to move him and get him off his spot. Like uh, a lot of D tackles of the old style, like Sam Adams, they would call him a washing machine. To to be honest, except Sam Adams, it was huge. That's what I'm saying. And he's this a, guy can like get this up guy under may you. actually be the size of a washing machine, but he has <laughs> the crazy reach to actually do something about the it. The biggest things that people people the biggest um, knocks they have on this guy is just that he's short and he uses his legs too much. Which is like, okay, but he's short, so like he has really good leverage. Like that's not – I'm saying that's the more – that's almost as much of a positive. 
he's strong enough in his upper body. He he. There's no. I have no problems with Puna Ford at all. Like the the that, problem is that he'll probably never develop into a solid inside pass rusher. But ooh. a UDFA that turns into a really good two down defensive tackle, right? That's a valuable piece. Absolutely. If he's there, if he's out there on first down every play with Jaron Reed this year, like there's nothing wrong with that. And he was disruptive at times last year. Yeah. Uh, he he's really able to disrupt gaps and get between gaps. Um, I I thought Puna Ford was really really good UDFA pickup, and it's a classic Seahawks pick, right? Guy who going to have a chip on his shoulder there's something that everyone says is wrong with him use that to motivate yourself young man like I, I love it yeah exactly i think you could see him come in and be a fan favorite and a difference maker pretty quick here so really the question is uh whether or not malik mcdowell ever gets healthy no and i think at this rate we have to say no i i do have best a best case scenario starts the season on the pub list i do have a question for you kevin barkevius mingo jacob martin do either of these guys count towards the defensive end count when the season actually starts? Because these are these are guys who both could get snaps at DE on third downs, right? I find that unlikely just because I don't think we're going to keep... Uh, if you look at who we picked up at linebacker, I could see us... You know, What do we keep? Six linebackers at the most? I would say I that's crazy. I would say six or seven seems likely. You um, think six is likely? Yeah, the the I way we high. the way we drafted. Oh no, um, you have to keep up. You have to keep that many bodies. You have to keep Mo, you have to keep DJ Alexander and and Shaquem Griffin, and then and then Honestly, you're left with I've, like a, a six. There's round. probably some combination of Pew, Emmanuel Beal, and Jacob Martin. Uh, I mean, last year we had seven linebackers. Uh, no, six linebackers, Eric. So I mean, it's not. I guess too I different. just uh, I look at our depth at the position, and five stood out to me. But I did completely forget about DJ Alexander. We, the three ha- names. we have to keep him. He's so good on yeah, special yeah. teams. Yeah, he is. And the the three names you mentioned, I'm not really, I'm not really in on any of those guys. But the other Shaq Griffin, the three we have, <coughs> the addition of Mingo. I'm going to talk over your coughs. Okay. I'm dead, guys. Yeah, it's the only thing is, does Shaquem Griffin take over DJ Alexander's special teams role? Does he make DJ Alexander expendable? So. I think with Shaquem Griffin on roster, if somebody steps up and really does well, if Jacob Martin uh, shows out as a pass rushing potential guy behind Barkevis Mingo, I could see him taking that job away from DJ Alexander. DJ Alexander makes like seven hundred thousand dollars this year. Like, there's not they're not going to cut him. But if somebody beats him out, they beat him out. That's the thing because DJ Alexander doesn't offer very much in terms of backup linebacker play. No, but I mean he's gonna. You need eleven guys to play special teams. Like if even if Griffin's good, that doesn't leave no room for. They can have both. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying, if somebody beats him, though, yeah, it's I, it's gonna be tough. He's so so nice to have around. Yeah, he's a good luxury. He's a um, he's cheap too. That's the thing is like a guy like that sometimes gets paid like 1.5 million dollars for no reason. But why am I blink? Is it Marigos? Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes like, those guys just get paid, and you're like, what? But yeah, DJ- once in a while they get a paycheck, and that's how he ended up in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Was because we we're like, uh, we don't pay kind Pure of safeties teamers. that much. <laughs> yep. So, all right. Any anything else you want to say about our defensive end rotation? I think we brought up basically every edge case. Yeah, no, I think that. that's the big thing with him. I, it's just I think the other thing to look at is Naz Jones's development as an interior pass rusher. I think that's something I want to keep an eye on because I think he has more potential as a disruptive interior rusher than Jaron Reed does. Right. So our our uh, our rush third down rush defensive line is probably going to be something like. Clark, Naz, Green, Jordan, you know, yep. something like and that. And that's disgusting. 
you know, or maybe Mar- <laughs> maybe Marcus Smith instead of um, instead of Naz, you know, pushing Frank inside or something like that. But Frank's pretty slight to go inside, so I don't know if that's gonna that would work. Yeah, that seems less likely. Uh, but all right, so that's our that's our defensive line. Uh, Eric, you wanted to talk CBs, cornerback play, secondary, the new Legion of Boom, which you can't really call them that ever again, probably until they earn it. Right. Uh, I'm gonna go over the names, and I want you to fill in what I miss. Okay? Oh, you want you want to try to do it off the top of your head? Yeah. Well, I mean, you're I, I wrote them down. You're I didn't a show prep. You're dog. a man's man. All right, here, go for but, it. But uh, when you already had your your safety list, I was like, oh, I got different names. Okay, uh, Shaq Griffin. Yep. Byron Maxwell. Yep. Justin Coleman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After that, the list gets a little muddled. Uh, Trey Flowers, Nico Thorpe, DeAndre Elliott, Dante Johnson, who you had on your safety list, CJ Smith, and then Mike Tyson, who's been listed as a safety, but is uh, also listed as a cornerback and someone you didn't talk about, so I'm throwing him in with this mix. Who did I miss? Alex Carter. Yep. Uh, and uh, the CJ Smith trade ended up not going through due yeah. to a failed physical. He failed oh, is physical, it really? Yeah. Yep. Oh. And I agree with your take. Dante Johnson might be Dante Johnson might be a cornerback prospect. As I would far tend as to agree. Also, Seattle is concerned. He's very similar to Trey Flowers in the uh, physical tools, size, but not technique category. Yep. <laughs> uh, so if either of those guys develops in the preseason or uh, in camp, that another Deshaun Shed body type. Uh, correct. Doppelganger. Yeah. Um, I like uh, so going into this list. Uh, Shaq Griffin is a lock. Yes. The, Correct. Yep. Uh, Byron Maxwell, as uh, Kevin pointed out, will play opposite Shaq Griffin. That is going to be interesting because... Deadlock. He's going to make the team. I thought Byron Maxwell could play okay in his, uh, I don't know, younger days. A few years ago, opposite Sherman. But uh, he's older now. He's wiser, but he's still older. Last season, he was his functioning cog in this defense, though. He was, but I will remind you, Kevin, that of all the Byron Maxwell haters, you stood high on that mountain. Yeah, I definitely... And it's, it's okay. I was definitely frustrated by the fact that he made a lot of stops um, instead of making a lot of plays on the ball. But the fact of the matter is that if he's making those stops short of 10 yards, I need to accept that not everybody can be Richard Sherman. Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing about it is, Kevin, you're right. Like the, He makes plays. He stops big plays. And toxic differential is really important to this team. And a guy who goes out there and just does their job and stops us from giving up any big plays, that has value. There's Especially with how little we're invested in Byron Maxwell. Yeah, we're paying him next to nothing. Yeah. Well, and I feel like he's he's going to be better than Brandon Browner was for us. Oh Brandon Browner gosh, was... Yes. I mean, he was an enforcer. He was like Ken Hamlin playing cornerback. So he would just hit the hell out of you if you hit if you caught the ball, which you did a lot against Brandon Browner. Another thing is people act like Byron Maxwell is all washed up. Like, he's barely 30. Uh, and he had a good year last year statistically. Yeah, he's 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 fine. There's nothing nothing wrong with Byron Maxwell. So okay, we're saying Maxwell, Shaq, and Justin. Uh, Justin Coleman, Coleman, of course, nickel corner. Uh, Justin Coleman really just played the hell out of his position last year. So a so, lot of people have started calling that the star cornerback role, Eric. Just just uh, I'm only giving you a, a piece of information that people say that's a star cornerback now, and that that's what uh, that's a new important position in the NFL. In fact, it's so important that. Uh, Cleveland said that their number four overall oh, no. draft pick is going to play a lot of snaps at star corner. Well, anything uh, the Browns say, I'm I'm listening to. Here's the thing, though. If you're talking about modern-day NFL play, using a wide receiver in the slot. To create like, a mismatch. Think about how we use Doug Baldwin. Think about how the, the Patriots have used uh, like Edelman. and yep. guys like Oh, that. I think about how the Mike Hongren-era Seahawks used uh, Joe Jaravicious. 
Joe Jer Ferocious. Seriously, that was that was a game changer for us. Bobby yeah. Ingram though too was yeah, slid absolutely, inside. man. And when you look at passing games doing that, that makes a guy like Justin Coleman being a. And the other thing that's interesting is Pro Football Focus has done a ton of work around this. They found that a quality slot cover guy tends to be more sustainable success over years because an outside corner only needs to give up a couple more big plays in order for his numbers to tank. Whereas if you're a nickel corner, you tend to be giving up more first downs than long touchdowns. So if they show out good in their coverage numbers one year, that tends to prove sustained success. That makes a lot of sense. Not to mention, and this isn't picking on the slot corner position, but you also have a lot more support. You've got linebackers that you got to throw over. You're not on an island oh, in the slot corner position. For sure, yeah. yeah, and it's, I mean, let's face it, as a cornerback, Byron Maxwell, any time that you get mad at him this season, and that's for anyone listening, is when he's stuck on an island because he will disappoint. He's going to give up a big touchdown. It's just going to happen. He's slower. Um, scheming to make sure Byron Maxwell is not handling a speedy receiver alone is one thing the Seahawks will have to do every game. Yeah. Uh, from yeah, here, so Justin Coleman, I just want to give you a couple yeah. stats to do that. Um, in uh, Among cornerbacks who posted more than, like, I think at the number here is 215 snaps in the corner, okay, he was fifth in NFL rating, 73.7. Uh, he was 11th in giving up coverage yards per – or cover snaps per reception. He gave up a cover snap – a reception every 10.5 coverage snaps. And in terms of yards per coverage snap – he was 12th, right behind Chris Harris Jr., who everyone says is the best. So, um, yeah, 0.97 for him, 0.95 for Chris Harris. So what I'm saying is, is that, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Yeah, and I'm happy we have Justin Coleman. Uh, from here on out, I guess I want to ask the question, how many cornerbacks do you think we're going to keep? Five. Five? Kevin? I feel like five or six. It's the... Uh, Linebacker and corner numbers, I think, are interdependent. Okay. They're fungible. We kept five last year. We've kept six in the past. Five or six are the numbers. Yep. I, I just think Five should... seems more likely because Tedrick Thompson could be a pinch corner if we need him. And yeah, you're going to have that hybrid. And, and also, you're going to have guys... When you keep six corners, you have guys that are really good. And I'm sorry. I will. I will it's definitely a weakness on this team. I don't know how many really good guys we have that we're going to keep. Let me be uh, completely honest, too, is the guy... The guys that are on the bubble for linebacker are much better special teams players than the guys who are on the bubble for cornerback, in my opinion. Well, let's uh, let's look at those number those names rather. Uh, Trey Flowers, Trey Flowers is six foot three. We like Trey Flowers in this room. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Um, um, where do you guys see Trey Trey Flowers playing? I think uh, Trey Flowers is going to be groomed 20, for the next outside 20, corner spot. Twenty nineteen. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just being honest. No, you know, like I, how much how much field time he is a develop, this year? He's a developmental project. There's no if Trey Flowers plays this year, it will be ugly. I think really? best case scenario, if he plays, it'll be a little bit like when Richard Sherman played his rookie year, where he comes in like halfway through the season and at times looks really good and at times looks way beaten. I think that I is think a, that's best case scenario. I think, but why would you do that when you have Byron Maxwell yeah, we, to be the steady hand Because over you want more athleticism. I think if Maxwell gets hurt, you could see him coming in midseason and being able to swim instead of just sink. We brought but in ideally not. We brought in Byron to stop gap to either Trey or Dante Johnson, Mike or Tyson, or draft pick next year, uh, or whatever. draft pick next year. Like we, the, he, Byron Maxwell is the is the bridge to one of these guys, two year bridge corner. Um, so I don't, 
I don't want to see. I don't think the team wants to see Trey Flowers on the field this year. Trey Flowers had issues in coverage with in terms of just covering people. His athleticism is great. He's a fantastic athlete and he's huge, so he's got a future. But I just he needs training. And he has all the tools, and he has a ton of experience. Dude started 51 games for Oklahoma State, but, he but has Oklahoma not, State has not been a very good defense. And he hasn't played cornerback since high school. Yep. That's and, a long time to go between playing cornerback. Um, uh, another I, name on this. I worry, I worry, there's there's some hype on Reddit of people that are just like, let's let's get on the Trey Flowers bandwagon. Let's, let's start him right away, and I'm just like, pump the brakes on that big dog. Why do that when you have a Byron Maxwell? That's the Throw, luxury that you paid a couple million for. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things you said, Kevin, is uh, an injury to Byron Maxwell, and that's one thing that going on through this list you'll see we don't have a lot of depth at this position, and I think we're a year away from depth between free agency, who we can pick up, who gets cut, as well as the next draft class. Uh I want to say at, at this point, cornerback seems almost like a neglected position. If we get past our three starting corners, I'm sweating. Yeah. The, okay. I so, feel really yeah. good about Maxwell, Griffin, and Coleman. I feel really good about that. When I get to the fourth corner, I start to sweat with Flowers, so and let's, it gets worse from there. Well, let's yeah. I was gonna say let's uh, let's talk about DeAndre Elliott, six foot two. Has never put anything together sustainably. Yes, exactly. If he was going to do it, he had every chance in the world to take that position last year, and we brought in Byron Maxwell because he couldn't. And now let's look at Dante Johnson, the guy that we're bringing in from San Francisco about, as a project corner. And I think about Elliot, dude, is he's not fast. He has his slow, slow recovery speed, and I, I don't, I don't love DeAndre Elliott. How's and Nico Thorpe us? is a special teams guy at this point. The thing about Nico Thorpe is, is that he's got him. If he makes the team, it's got to be as a special teamer, and that takes up a cornerback spot on the roster. I feel like Nico Thorpe is very much on the bubble. This is why I was basically saying it's Nico Thorpe and DJ Alexander are kind of fighting for the same roster spot, in my opinion. Could be. Um, t- okay, so we got so we got DeAndre Elliott. We think that he probably is out. Yeah. At this point, yeah. Uh, Dante Johnson. This is a guy at Nate that you had a corner. Or I'm sorry, at safety possibly. I see him as a as a corner guy possibly. He could also be a guy who does not make the roster. He played I, cornerback for the 49ers. He was thought of by 49ers fans to be the worst player on the whole team uh, in terms of starters. Uh, they did. They are not big fans of his in uh, San Francisco. And we spoke about uh, what two three weeks ago about how maybe Pete Carroll is going to uh, teach him his slide step, and this might be a guy who could transform into a positive player. Physical, physical tools. Uh, he, he's, um, he's. If you look at his draft profile, like you would be like, "Wow, this is a great draft pick." If he was like still twenty two, but he's twenty six years old. He's been in the league for three years, and he hasn't developed. He's never developed. Yep, he's about six two, two hundred, which is something that we like. But long exactly arms, great athleticism. Mm-hmm. He's fast, but yeah, I don't know. I'm more. I worry about him. Uh, I don't think he'll make the team. To be honest with you, uh, Alex, or if he does, he's going to make it as our last corner. Alex Carter, I don't like. He's been waived like a hundred times and been on a billion practice squads. That's why I missed um, him on my list. So I don't expect him. So I don't suspect he'll make the team in anything but a practice squad. Yeah, spot. I think he's camped up right now. Um, and let's uh, let's also say the same thing about Mike Tyson. There's Mike Tyson. This is the thing. Mike Tyson is on the bubble for sure. I don't. Have you, you seen anything from Mike Tyson? Uh, I saw him play. Here's the thing. Last preseason, which is the only time we really got to see him play, he looked really good. Like for about two quarters, 
and got absolutely torched for about two quarters. And so it's really hard to say what he is as a player. Now, the thing that gives me a little bit of hope is that this is a guy who was a kind of hybrid safety linebacker in at Cincinnati in college. And yeah. so he has really good size. He has really good physical traits, but he didn't really come in with any corner technique. So he was really a raw project who's now had a year in the system to learn. It would not be shocking to me at all if he crept up and showed that he could actually be, you know, that last guy on the, on the roster. And he's a good special teams guy based on his high weight speed. I'll be honest with you. Uh, like the fact that he was like a box safety and now I'm supposed to think he has the potential to be like a starting cornerback. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Lee, I'm leery or I'm leery of what he could do. Uh, He's a little dude too. It's, I mean, he's he's not tall. He's no, not. He yeah. He's not. One. He's built more like a hybrid safety. Uh, but he's not. He's not staunch. If I'm going to use that word, he's not a big guy in any way. Um, he's not like Sherman small, but he's not a big guy. So, gentlemen, this, these are our names. He was not thought of as a great coverage safety either. Like that's the thing. We're doing all this work to turn him into like a cornerback, and he was at in college thought of as like a like box run help good tackler not not a coverage guy so yeah it's like okay now i'm, I'm supposed to we're supposed to convert him into a coverage guy that's kind of nuts to me so all right so let's go let's go down we we think griffin coleman byron are in that's three and we want to keep five i think we all think flowers is in yep that's okay four. so then if thorpe is likely to make it as a special teamer that's five if we keep do you think we keep a sixth guy let's let's just go with that well i think no, I think we're fighting for five. I think it's Thorpe, Elliott, Tyson, Carter, and Johnson fighting for the last spot. At that point, for me, I like I, I agree with the room. It's five. I think Thorpe, you guys said he was on the bubble. I think it's probably between Thorpe and, uh, and Dante Johnson. Yeah, if they, if they really, that, but that's if Dante just a name Johnson I'm pulling. A camp. That's a that's the thing. I'm pulling that name out of nowhere. I have nothing to back it up. It's just picking a name of a guy that maybe he'll put it together. It's it's yep. gonna it's gonna be who competes the best out of those guys. I think Thorpe has the inside track just because we know he brings value to the team, as special teams. And as much as we don't want to see him out there at corner, in a pinch we've seen him play there, and it wasn't like. The worst tire fire ever, I guess. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll it's, keep it's, being the it guy. Look like we put a defensive tackle out there. It's a four out of ten. And I'll be the guy yeah. that brings up old shit. You guys were, we were all in this room, a little excited to see Nico Thorpe last year. Yeah, I wanted to see what he could do. Yeah, yeah he's, so it's rangy. Look, he fits the physical attributes that we want. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the early preseason to see if, if he's made a step. If he's, he's taken a positive step. That's going to fill me with immense this confidence. This is his third season 28 with the year, team. He's 28 years old. Yep. Oh, is he 28? If yeah. he was going to take Dear a step, Lord. he'd have done taking it. Yeah, it's, it's. I think he's just. He is who he is at yep. this point. I. That's funny too because he's, I thought, he, I thought, I thought he that he was his SEC. His SEC no. stats are actually pretty decent. You know, he's he had seven picks, 34 passes deflected. Like, yep, but. SEC football, especially with that mediocre quarterback play, is not the NFL. Right, I'm, I, I understand, but I'm just saying, like th- those are surprisingly good stats for just a uh, a guy, for a guy a who special team, yeah, who did just never put anything together. So that kind of weirds me out. All right, uh, that's that's it. That's our positional battles. You guys have anything else you wanna you wanna add? I want I just checked the time. We're doing we're doing great on time. So 
you know, sometimes these off-season ones run a little bit uh, short just because they, this there's is, not that much to talk about. Uh, you know, so this, this one's is, not short, though, Kevin. We're at 43 minutes. I'll 43 say minutes. this. Do we want to talk about punter real quick? Yeah, let's let's do punters, Kevin. What what do you think is the battle brewing uh, between the uh, the Aussie and our ginger? So I'm not going to go too much into John Ryan. We already talked about him. He's getting to that point in his career where he's very expensive, and he's getting up there in age. So we're running into a similar situation to Hauschka, except you start to question how much longer John Ryan can really do it. And we talked about his declining performance. So Michael Dixon, uh, he's played Australian rules football. Um, and as an Aussie footballer, he ended up in like a talent academy, went to the University of Texas, uh, won the Ray Guy Award, was a unanimous All-American. Was the MVP of the bowl game. MVP of the Texas Bowl by downing, what was it? Five punts inside the five-yard line. What, yeah, what an accomplishment for a punter. It's very impressive. and so He's a punter's punter. He is. He, he's a punter football player. And the big thing is, if the team doesn't want to end up in a Hauschka situation with a Blair Walsh-type filler, then this is what this draft pick was for. We spent a fifth-round pick to get one of the best punting prospects to come out in the last five years. And there's every reason to believe that he should be able to make the team... Uh, the big thing people talk about with him is he has a very versatile tool bag as a punter. Like, he can put a lot of different spins on the ball. He understands how to deaden it. He understands how to, like, punt on the move. He can punt, like, from a pocket. He understands how to use his foot to put spin on the ball or to deaden the ball. And so that means that he's going to offer some different types of versatility in the punting game, which considering the way that the offense is evolving with a lot of run and a lot of like staying on time that means that those field position battles are going to become important again is there any chance that he stays on this team without playing meaning is is there any chance we keep two punters there's I feel a like small this, chance, but I feel like our roster is so small. Hey, remember when I said maybe if this team does something really stupid, like keep two punters? Because we basically I wouldn't gain any money by cutting John Ryan, but at the same point in time, we gain a roster spot. And at this point, I feel like that roster spot's more important. Well, I don't really understand why you'd bring a guy in just to just to groom him. Like at this at this position, you're either in it or you're not. The kicking position isn't like a practice squad. Maybe he'll do better than the next year. No, like he's either going to make the team or he isn't. Yeah. And unless he screws the pooch, I hate that term, by the way. Um, I I, I think John Ryan's out. All right. Uh, there we go. There. People who love punters, you got your punter talk. Uh, all right. Let's go to the money zone. Uh, you can support the Seahawks Nest podcast in many different ways, including heading over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest and giving us literal money. Um, at patreon.com slash Seahawks we put our uh, it's kind of a gambling podcast let's just call it what it is now that gambling's legal <laughs> it's a, there's a gambling podcast over at the uh, Seahawks Nest uh, podcast we, we tell our picks we tell our props we tell you what we're thinking in terms of uh, picking the games we also um, do a oh man why can't I talk right now we yeah, also do a few <laughs> some off season content during the summer especially when Kevin and I are, are uh, off from school because we're both school teachers so uh, you know, big ups to everyone who's decided to support on Patreon. Forrest, Lucas, Carrie, David, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Tom, and Michelle. Everyone who is at that, the big money level, the, the you guys are our heroes and really keep us going. Uh, when, when I subscribe from Pro Football to Pro Football Focus Stats, it's because of you. 
so, so, so thanks. When we subscribe this year to uh, to uh, play tracking from Football Outsiders, it's because of you guys that we can do that. So thanks a lot for helping us out in that regard. Um, the uh, oh, real quick, uh, now the gambling's legal. Something that's going to be added to that off season or to that in season weekly podcast. There's going to be a spot where at the very end, I take two games one blockbuster and one less marquee and trying to explain to Eric and Nathan why they should watch them as well as giving you some betting advice. All right. Yes. Uh, I was that say, way you could be even more degenerative and gambling. All right. Do you want, you want to tell me how many your majesties to, uh, to bet on them? That's right. So, so, um, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the, the other thing, if you're poor, you're a teacher like me and Kevin and you don't have any money, uh, you can you can support us in many other ways. You can head over Spend to Twitter. It all on action figures like Eric. You can you can send it over to twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest, Facebook.com slash the Seahawks Nest, uh, hashtag F U Zuck. Uh, and and finally you can head over to uh, SoundCloud.com uh, slash Seahawks Nest and give us a, a heart. You can head over to iTunes, uh, pay, uh, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast, and give us five stars. We're starting to show up on lots of like um, I saw a. a podcast group called best seahawks podcast and only had like four podcasts in it and one of them was ours and i was like yeah we did it got so there we we did we did a thing yeah and people are doing <laughs> write-ups for us just like a quick that you know these guys know what they're talking about these guys are yeah, fun please please yeah. like if you're on reddit and or you're on like a website and someone asks a question like hey what's up seahawks podcast or i want to burn an hour every day uh, every week listening to stuff about people talk about the seahawks what should I listen to? And you could say, listen to Seahawks Nest podcast. It's 45 minutes of them talking about the Seahawks. That's pretty good. The last 15 minutes, you know, <laughs> just questionable movie views. But uh, yeah, yeah, um, you know, that's why we put it at the end. So people, if people don't want to get to know us better through our movie tastes, you can just turn it off. That's fine. All right. See, for so, you know, people who hate the, the movie part, you can turn off the podcast now. Uh, everyone else, uh, this week, we are getting uh, a movie uh, starring... Donald Glover, starring Alden, Iron, <laughs> Iron Reich, Amelia Clark, Woody Harrelson, Thandie Newton. It is Solo, a Star Wars story. And you might think, Nathan, does that mean we're going to talk about Solo? And I say to you, no. That does not mean we're going to talk about Solo. That means we're going to talk about Ron Howard. Because Ron Howard came Has in... He's made a lot of movies. He's made a lot of movies, <laughs> one. Let's start with that. My second favorite he's, Howard behind Clint Howard. He's directed a lot of movies, but he came into this project late. Uh, he kind of saved the project. Uh, Lord Christopher Lord and Phil Miller of uh, 21 Jump Street Lego Movie fame were directing this movie. And they, uh, let's just say they ran into trouble. I don't know any other way to put this. Uh, they, I think that what happened was they have a style that's going to allow a lot of freewheeling, a lot of freestyling, a lot of like, let's do 50 takes of this and, and t- keep the best jokes. And that doesn't work when you have a literal billion dollar franchise on the line. You can't goof around and hope that it works out. It's kind of the opposite of the Taika Waititi decision, where uh, Taika Waititi directed smaller things, but he had a very particular style that he would shoot with, and he he was more direct in what he was doing. This is more like trying for the same thing and choosing wrong. My 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 concern about this though is that Disney, you knew this would happen. Why didn't you figure it out? All right, so Kevin and Eric, I'm going to give you some Ron Howard options, and we're just going to pick. You're just going to pick one for me. If you got, if any of these excites you, just throw it out Willow. there. Willow. Okay? These are movies he directed that um, I think are are I could talk about at least. So Night Shift, Splash, Parenthood, Paula Thirteen, uh, Ed TV, uh, Cinderella, Cinderella Man, uh, Frost Nixon, 
any of these any of these speak to your heart that something you you one of these movies you would like to talk about i remember apollo 13 being a good movie when i saw it okay let's do it let's do apollo 13 then apollo 13 was a good movie 1995's apollo 13 uh 95 percent on rotten tomatoes uh 82 fresh four rotten reviews average rating of 3.6 out of five it's a it's a based on a true story of the real apollo 13 aircraft uh it was went to the moon you know they had to slingshot the moon to get back it stars kevin bacon tom hanks and bill paxton all-star cast uh, yep. let's be honest gary sinise ed harris kathleen quinlan there's so yep. many good actors in this movie uh clint howard just kidding uh <laughs> boo, boo. what i can't make fun of clint howard i said in the beginning ron howard's my second favorite howard behind clint you love clint howard huh i do because he's uh, hilarious he looks weird yes this is indeed <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, i didn't mean to do that but i mean he's a professional i, I just drew his, you out i'm so happy his appearance matters okay so what do you first of all uh, eric just you were since you picked Paul 13 yeah. what are your impressions of and by the way if i would have picked a movie i would have picked Paul 13 so i'm glad you did this yeah um i was trying to get him to pick splash i'll be honest i know i kept looking i just splash I like, splash kind of sucks but i could definitely talk about that's it. why i would want that one picked, well, i thought that's fine you know when you when you don't this really pay attention movie. i thought that kevin was trying to whisper willow to me and i'm like wait he's not saying willow what's he saying because i don't i, I never want to talk willow. about mad martigan yeah, I've never. I've actually not made it all the way through Willow either. Okay, really? so yeah, that's a good movie. So Apollo thirteen. Sorry, I take that back. It's an enjoyable movie. Yeah, um, better. This is the story of the uh, ill-fated uh, trip to the moon. The oh, was it the second or third trip to the moon they tried to make? It didn't happen. Uh, something goes wrong in space. Uh, our our fearless astronauts, and this is uh, something that happened in real life. They had to uh, find out how to fix their. Uh, their oxygen tank up there or they were going to die and they also had no way of getting back to earth so uh, it's basically the story of these astronauts getting back to earth working with ground control in uh in a in a real situation that happened and you said what impressions stick with me i will remember two things and that's one how nasa had no idea what to do and so they said okay guys Tell us every single thing you have up there. Every piece of trash, <laughs> anything. And so they, they took an inventory and it was like, we have you know three toothpicks. We have this. We have this uh, Mylar bag. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. Some, they, they're like, you can use this bag. It will fix it. And it rips. Um, I don't know if that really happened or not, but it was, it was a good moment in film. The second thing that sticks out is for the weightlessness scenes, uh, you need to go up in a zero-g plane and film these scenes, and they built a set inside the plane, and I think they went up three times to film all the zero-g scenes, and it more. looks fantastic. They three, went, more? They went up more than three times. They went up a bunch of times in a KC-135 airplane, what? which can give you about 23 seconds of weightlessness, Yeah. and they filmed their weightless scenes using that. No wires, no nothing. They li- They had the actors do zero gravity and tom so cool. tom hanks quote about it you ready for actors being able to shoot actually shoot in zero gravity as opposed to being in incredibly painful and uncomfortable harnesses for special effects shots was all the difference between what would have been a horrible movie making experience as opposed to the completely glorious one it actually was and you can definitely tell how invested all these actors are in making this movie like 
really awesome and it's super realistic like they were they took great pains to make this as much like the real situation as possible yeah. including and, like the science of it the technical equipment they brought in the practical effects in this movie are exceptional yeah the, the, that's one of the things that makes it one of my more favorite movies the real story is just so nuts it's so yeah. crazy that like i just can't believe that this this really happened and then th- th- they made a really great movie that kind of shows the the awesomeness of what really happened when so. they pick gary sinise who's like a very everyman kind of guy who i think does a very good job of playing characters and he plays ken mattingly who ends up getting left behind which due is to, uh, medical reasons and which it's is sad. devastating it's devastating for it his feels character so yeah. bad for him and then he's the one who ends up getting to be the hero in uh, Mission Control, really kind of helping them simulate through these scenarios because he's the guy who did all the training up till the last minute. And so when they're trying to figure out how do we do this, what's going to work, he gets put in the simulator. He's taking on the role that, you know, uh, Jim Lavelle, Fred Hayes, and uh, Jack Swigert, which is uh, Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton, and Tom Hanks, he's doing what they're going to have to do to, like, dry run it. And then if anyone was ever tailor-made to be the actor in charge of of Mission Control, it's Ed Harris. He just yeah. looks like it. <laughs> if you're like, no, that was actually the guy who worked in Mission Control, you'd be like, I believe it. Yeah, the angry guy who's barking orders from the ground. Uh, so I will I will say this. Um, cool thing about Gary Sinise is that um, Howard told him you can read for whatever role you want, and I will, pro- and most likely I'll put you in it. And he chose that role of Ken Mattingly. That's so cool. Uh, so he he wanted to be Ken Mattingly. Uh, Ed Harris he described the film as cramming like for a final exam, and said his character was corny and like a dinosaur. <laughs> so, Interesting. Which is so true. It's so true. Um, this this movie is also based on a book that was written by uh, Lavelle Jim Lavelle the the. Tom Hanks' Hanks's character. character. Uh, He wrote the book Lost Moon, um, and he shopped the rights to potential buyers. He wanted a movie to get made of this because it's such an unbelievable story. I I, I totally understand why. Uh, It's weird. Like, the two tragedies in the movie, Kevin brought up Gary Sinise's character, but there's also that moment when, in order to get home, they use the gravity uh, of the moon or the uh, the gravitational pull that the moon offers to basically slingshot them yeah. back into Earth's Doing orbit. the calculations now, and talking yes. about how tight it but is. It's, it's that moment where, like, Tom Cruise's... Or Tom Cruise, Jesus Louise. Tom Hanks' character looks at the moon and he's like, I was supposed to land on it. Like, he doesn't say it, but you, that look on his face, like, man, Actually, I was supposed to land. he has that line, doesn't he? I it was like, I, I've trained my whole life to land on there, and this is the closest I'm ever going to get, or something, something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. It's, it's this really it's like good a, line. Yeah, but Ed Harris, he says, man, failure's not an option. It's like, that's like one of the best parts of the whole movie. <laughs> uh, failure's not an option. we got to get these guys home. So It's a good line for a um, dinosaur. Close your eyes. You're thinking about Tom Hanks as the, cat, as the um, commander in this movie, right? Well, the author of the book wanted Kevin Costner to get that role. So what do you think about that? Kevin Costner was was playing that role. One of the worst actors to ever grace cinema, uh, of uh, the that is popular. Okay. Well, I got one better for you, Eric. They originally offered the role to John Travolta. Oh, oh. my God! Oh my God! Look, oh, it's, it's the so moon. Weird. Oh, you guys, we landed back on Earth. I'm just so happy to be here. Guys. Made of cheese. <laughs> me and me and Kevin just do this all the way here every week. <laughs> Uh, so that that that's my. I'm really glad that one did. I could have facts. possibly lived with Costner, but then you're talking about the main character being the weakest actor. If I'm like Bill Paxton, you're like that guy does really cool characters. I'm like Kevin Bacon, that guy's intense. I'm like Gary Sinise, you're like that guy has so much credibility as an actor, he's really good. I'm like Kevin Costner, you're like where's Susan Sarandon in this movie? 
John Travolta, did he turn down this role so he could do Face Off? That's my face. Uh, I hope so. That's my question. Uh, yeah, all right. That's um, that's, that's terrifying, that's by the way. That's basically it. I mean, if you read, you can read a lot about, they did DVD commentary tracks with the actual astronauts, and they say, like, there's minor issues, you know, like, like oh, one in the movie, one guy gets credit for fixing the power problem. We all kind of fix that together. Or, um, you know, just little stuff like that. But Things for the Hollywood mo- has to do. For the most part, I mean, they were, they were really all did it. Um, yeah, and they... They said that the the biggest hero in real in real life uh, was um, the black team flight director Glenn Lenny. Like that guy is the the guy who really saved them, and that's like not even a huge role in the movie. So um, yeah, that's kind of interesting too. Uh, they said that like he was more instrumental than in the movie showed. Uh, so movie, the- movie won some awards: best film editing, best sound, nominated for a bunch of other stuff, lost to Braveheart for best picture. Which I would rather have chosen this, but that's fine. I'm not a huge Braveheart fan, so that's that's me. But you know, I understand why Braveheart won. It's not I like actually a bad like movie. Braveheart, and I still would have probably picked Apollo 13, but that's fine. Um, for me, I mean, obviously the best movie that came out in 1995 was Babe. But uh... <laughs> shut up. <laughs> that's, that's not even a good joke. Come on, it got nominated for Best Picture. This is one of it's, my fit. That'll do, Nate. That'll do. Uh, what about um, what if we go with uh, the Usual Suspects? How about that, Kevin? That's you like a great that better? yeah. Um, not, not extremely rewatchable. Watch, really, I, I beg to differ. Oh, not for me. Just too. It's very long. Not can't, enough Benicio. Can't watch. Can't watch it anymore because you know Kevin Spacey is the worst. But you know whatever. Uh, so, did you two watch more movies than I do? Uh, as far as recently, I'm going to ask you two. When was what was the last Ron Howard movie that was good? I got to go to the list. Can you can you give us? So like, I will I will count backwards. So uh, the la- oh the last Ron Howard movie that was that was good. Yep. Solo, a Star Wars story. It comes out this Friday. I actually am really looking forward to that movie, and especially considering all the uh, there's a certain type of person who's enlisting a lot of hate for that movie, and let's say it's the same type of person that was hating heavy on Black Panther, which just makes me want to watch it all that uh, much more. By the way, Frost Nixon came out ten years ago. That movie rules. I don't know if uh, I don't know if it's uh. It's not for everyone, but uh, Michael Sheen rules in that movie as David Frost. I'm super into it, and uh, yeah, that's that's my thing. That's my movie. There you go, Kevin. That's the last good Ron Howard movie. Uh, well, I don't that's know. Only like five movies ago because he doesn't make a lot of movies anymore. Uh, Curious George two. Uh, <laughs> he only produced that. Um, he oh, he only produced it. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I'm I'm looking through this list. Uh, Ransom. Well, you from like Cinderella Man, right? Yeah, Cinderella Man. That's right. Yeah. That is that's, that's good. You can't say that's a bad movie. And again, I think that was like maybe ten movies ago. That wasn't that many. It's a good underdog movie. A good underdog story. Um, it's it's thirteen years old now. It's definitely dated. I bet you if you watched it now, you'd be like, eh. And like you said, it's Frost Nixon fine. is is really great. He was nominated for. Boy, he did that uh, in the Heart of the Sea movie. Yep. Ugh. Yikes. <laughs> that's that's not the best. That's not a good sign. Um. Uh. What's Let's the just be- say if you went from someone who's really really loose. Uh, to Ron Howard, you definitely uh, did the I'm breaking up and dating someone the opposite of my ex. All right. How about this, Eric? What would you rather watch right now? Apollo 13 or Gravity? Oh, Apollo 13. Gravity sucks. Whoa. I didn't like it. Didn't Whoa. care for it. Harsh. Didn't care for it. And also... Uh, this is a really close one for me, but... Uh, you guys know geez. that I'm not a I'm not a big Sandy Bullock fan. We all know that Nate's skipping all those and just watching uh, The Martian. The You mean the Sarcastronaut? Yeah. About a sarcastic astronaut? Okay, um, yeah. 
uh, the Snarkshin, because uh, all he does is just look at a camera and make snarky comments the whole movie. I love The Martian. <laughs> I think it's a funny movie, but like, geez, that there's some issues. It's doing one thing, and it does that a lot. Yeah, and I never saw it, so now I now I don't need to. The, uh, the you know the next Quaron movie is is, is, is not to bring it up because I, I guess that I'm doing this because I talked about Gravity. It's a Netflix movie that's just about like a middle class fa- Mexican family in the 70s. Yes, I saw the preview for that. Um, it's called Roma. Yeah. Um, huh. that's that's his next feature film he has not made anything since gravity either so like that's only five he, years five he went five years between films and that's right. apparently everyone else agreed with eric yeah they don't give this guy work i oh guess they just gosh. uh they pulled this guy out to make star wars i don't know where it's an interesting choice children of men is such a good movie i hate you all right now the quran is a, is a master gravity's a great movie I, wait did he make <laughs> did he direct children of men yeah heck yeah he did oh, i didn't know and that that, is, that doesn't look anything what are you sure it's not like Don Howard? Get out of here, because Children of Men is definitely on that Ron list. Ron Howard, this, what are you talking about? No, that's, I'm talking about Quran now because of because oh. of I brought up Gravity, which is <laughs> I, a, I like how gosh no because I didn't see that movie and I I have no idea I was like there's no way Ron Howard did this movie <laughs> Children of Men. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I was about for to those lose of you it. that stuck around this long, welcome to the part where we devolve into what it sounds like before and after the podcast. Would you rather watch Would you rather watch Fall 13 or Children of Men? Ooh. Oh gosh, it's over. We lost. All right, for Kevin. Garver for Eric Ronovec. Try to watch Children of Men or Children of the Corn 666. I'm going to make sure to turn both these tracks up to six and go Hawks.